people ask, well, Pastor, how come there's so many miracles overseas and all of that? Well, it's, it's real simple. People have done what we talked about here today. They are aware of the presence of God. How do you become aware of the presence of God? They, they pray and they fast. It's a part of their life. It's a lifestyle, you know. I've never heard an American uh, ever say, when are we going to have all night prayer? The only ones I've ever heard, asked, had asked me, where are we going to have all night prayer? When's all night prayer? It, it's somebody from Africa. It's somebody from nations of the world because uh, every Friday night, the church knows we're going to have all night. They, just, they don't even say prayer. They just say all night because they know that they're going to come to the church on Friday night. They're going to pray all night. And they're going to believe God for supernatural things to happen in their Sunday services. Amen. And so they are keenly aware of what's going on. This is the time that we set aside. As uh, Pastor said earlier, that we can come together into his presence. We are not trying to manipulate God. We're not trying to get God to do something for us. We're not trying to... You know, punish ourselves. We are getting in alignment with the presence of God, what His plan is for us. And when we get in alignment with Him, then we can flow in the river of God. Amen? Praise God. So the next uh, few weeks are going to be awesome. Sunday nights, not this Sunday night, but next Sunday night and the following three weeks will be, uh, Sunday nights will be time of prayer here. The church will be open for prayer. And we had a wonderful time last year in those prayer times we're believing God to do great things again this year. And then at the end of that, we'll be having um, Pastor Randall Black. I think most of you that are uh, part of the church here know Pastor Randall. He's been here a couple of times in the last couple of years. And uh, he's a tremendous man of faith. And God uses him to just encourage and build your faith. And then uh, my long uh, friend, uh, is going to be coming, Jonathan Morgan. He hasn't been here as much. I have seen more miracles in Jonathan Morgan's ministry than anyone else that I'm connected to. God has anointed him and gifted him uh, to operate in the gifts of the miraculous, and uh, he will be with us as well. And, and I believe that God has given us this tag team just to set the precedence for the whole year. Amen. Then in May... We're going to, you know, we usually just have one service or maybe some special services, but God's put it in my heart to have more than that this year. And in May, uh, Evangelist Van Zeal will be with us from South Africa. He will be here starting on a Sunday morning, uh, the uh, Sunday after Mother's Day. I believe it's the 18th, 19th, and 20th. He'll be here in a morning service, night service, Monday and Tuesday night. And uh, we're going to see God do some supernatural things. But how I many know we don't need a guest speaker to come in? Those are just special times. We just got to become aware of his presence. Amen. And so here at the tabernacle every Sunday, you can believe God is going to heal you. Every Sunday, you can believe God is going to answer your prayer. Amen. Because he is a supernatural God. Amen. Well, I'll be talking more about that later, but uh, just in this season that we are in, I want to talk to you about a world in crisis needs a church. A world in crisis needs a church. Matthew 21 and verse 12, 
Then Jesus went into the temple and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. I mean, no, we've made the house of God a lot of things. It's not. Said then, say then. Then the blind, the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning. A world in crisis needs a church. Father, I pray for the next few moments that you will just continue to allow your anointing to hover over us here today. I pray that you will anoint my mind and you will use my vocabulary today to articulate the very best to this your people what you have laid in my heart for this season and this moment let us leave here today challenged let us leave here today impacted not by my words but yours and god we give you praise and thanks for all that's accomplished in the matchless name of jesus amen amen 790 million people in the world are chronically undernourished. Two-thirds of them are in Asia and in the Pacific. It is estimated that 100 million children around the world are in some stage of homelessness. 1.6 billion people, that's 25% of humanity, live without electricity. 35,000 children a day die of starvation. If you have food in your refrigerator, if you have clothes on your back, have a roof over your head, if you have a place to sleep at night, you're a part of the upper top 75% of people in the world in terms of comfort. The world is in crisis. And the world that is in crisis must have a caring church. A caring church should have room for all people. A church should be a place where that The richest of the rich can sit with the poorest of the poor and join their hands together lifted to a holy God and worship his name. Amen. A church is, there's got to be a room not only for for the rich and for the poor, but also for the generations. There must be room for all generations to honor our roots and to celebrate our future. Not to tolerate, but to celebrate. Amen. There must be room for the nations. Because he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for many nations. That word nations is nationalities. 
Amen. Where that the black man and the white man, the red and the brown, can come together into the same house and not fighting, but worshiping. Worshiping Jehovah God. Not worshiping multiple gods, but one God. Jehovah God. Amen. The caring church should have a healthy balance. It is a balance of compassion and empathy alongside of truth and expectation. You can't just be having compassion, but you also have to have empathy, but it's got to be in truth. And that truth, you have to give an expectation that things will get better. Amen. And so it's a balance that we have. It is something that that we understand that we are compassionate, we're loving, we, we show the love of Christ. But yet, even in the midst of that, if there is correction that needs to take place, if the, we need to change directions, right? If somebody is going off of the side of the cliff, you don't just smile at them and say, oh, you're doing a good job. Amen. You smile at them, tell them you're doing a good job, but you better turn it left quick. Right? Because you know that you've got to show them the love of Christ, the empathy, but also you have to be truthful with them. Amen. And how many know that a a real friend will tell you the truth? A real friend will tell you the truth, even whenever sometimes you don't want to hear truth. But then along with that must be expectation. There are some people that I don't know, I have, there isn't as much of it as there used to be, but used to be that I have a couple of people in my mind raised up in the church that I could tell you what they were going to preach when it was their turn to preach. And it wasn't going to be good. The moon was going to turn to blood. It was going to get dark. Gross darkness was going to come upon the earth. There was going to be these seven-headed animals coming out of the ocean, chasing you around. It was going to get bad. And it was gloom and despair. It wasn't no hope in it at all. It was just worse, bad, and it was going to get worse, and you were stuck in the middle. But how many know that in truth there has to be an expectation that this is bad, this is a terrible situation, but there's hope for you. Amen. And I'm going to tell you that hope. You, you, you turn in this direction. You look to the Word of God. You, you look to, to Jesus Christ, the author and the finish of your faith. And while we, we mix that together, then it is a balanced church. Amen. Last week we talked about Ezekiel chapter 3, uh, a very familiar scripture during Christmas time. Y'all need to lighten up. You know that, right? (laughs) I know that it was a very weird message, but it just hit my spirit and had to share it. Uh, And I I hope that it just rang home with somebody. But but Ezekiel chapter 3, 1 through 15, it tells us that story, and I won't go over it again, but Ezekiel is sent to the house of Israel. He's sent down to Israel to straighten them out, to get them back in order, to tell them truth, but he he went in the bitterness of his own spirit. 
So God has to send him down there. And for seven days, he just sits there. He, he watches what they watch. He sees what they see. He feels what they're feeling. And so that he don't just tell them truth, but he tells them truth with some hope. He tells them truth with compassion, right? And he shares that with them so that they can understand that this isn't good what's going on here. But he mixed it with love. He showed them truth and love so they could get back on the right track. And so we've seen that. But he also tells us that uh, we have to have that compassion. We have to have that that, uh, warmth of God's love. But we also have to warn people. We have to tell them the truth. Jesus has been where we are. He has experienced the harsh brutal reality of life because he has we can run to him for help we can find comfort in his arms we can find healing in his stripes we can find forgiveness through his death and we can find victory in his resurrection amen But Ezekiel goes on from there and God gives this other warning to him in verse 18. And he said, when I saw the wicked, you shall surely surely die and you give him no warning nor speak a warning the wicked from the wicked way, turn from their wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but... His blood is required at your hands. That's the reason why we invite people. That's the reason why we tell our story of salvation. That's the reason why we cannot just be silent going through life and say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm going to worship God, but I just don't want to get involved in people's situations. Because God says here that Ezekiel, if you don't go and tell them the truth, they die in their wickedness, but you're going to, their blood is going to be required at your hands. You're going to have to give an account for them going into eternity lost. And we're afraid of offending somebody. We're afraid they may not like it. We're afraid they may not hear us. So what? Amen? So what? We've all been called to be witnesses. We haven't all been called to be preachers uh, sitting behind a pulpit, but we have all been called to be witnesses. That we share our testimony and give people a hope for their salvation give people a hope for the way out. Because as I've often said, I have never met one drug addict that said, you know what? I love being addicted. I've never found one person bound by alcohol or any kind of addictions that said, wow, this is a great life. They're looking for a way out. They're looking for some hope. They're looking for somebody to speak into their life and give them a direction to come out of what has bound them in their life. 
And this is the reason that we uh, often encourage you to invite people and share your salvation story. Because we must be the place where truth is shared, where hope is given, and where a fresh start is realized. Amen. Where the people that have sinned and come short of the glory of God, just like you and I did, can come and say, I'm going to get a fresh start today. I'm turning my life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. And I am now a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. Matthew 18 or 16 and 18, he said, and I shall say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There must be a church and a world in crisis. What does a praying church look like? A praying church will be a pure church. Jesus went into the temple, and he reestablished God's original intent for his church. Jesus comes and cleanses the temple and runs the money changers out. And, you know, and, and again, just coming back to my roots, a lot of people, uh, you know, thought that Jesus was upset because they were selling stuff in the church. How many remember when you couldn't sell stuff in the church? When, uh, you know, those singers would bring their buses in and, and set up. And they said, could we sell this stuff? Yeah, you can sell it outside. Right? Because they read this scripture and, and led them to believe that Jesus got upset because people were selling things in the church. But it wasn't the selling of the things that was in the church, taking place in the church. It was the corruption that was going on. It was those people that had self-gain and price gouging. They would go and they would sell the, the uh, turtle dove for twice or three times the price for somebody who had traveled for long distances to get there. And they would take advantage of that person. They, they took and gave them coins that were worthless for their own money. And all of this stuff was going on. And while people had a sincere heart to want to come and worship God, those people were taking and manipulating it. And with greed, they would self-gain and self-gratification from what, they had, what was going on. They were stealing the worship of God. And Jesus said, I'm going to put a stop to this. Amen. I'm going to put a stop to this and no longer are you going to take the house of God, the place of worship and make it a den of thieves where that you, uh, you take advantage of people that are wanting to worship my father. Amen. And I want to tell you today, I've said it before, but I tell you today that the day of the Hollywood preachers is over. The day of the superstar preachers is dead and gone. God is once again purging his church. He is cleansing his church. Amen. And he's not about to allow. And I know we have went through recession and I know we've dealt with all of those things, but it is all in the hand of God to cleanse the church. Used to be you could turn the TV on and you would have preachers everywhere. And they are selling you all kinds of junk. Selling you holy water from Israel. I mean, you could take a bath and, and, and oil yourself down if you would just get something from all of them. 
They'd give you holy water. They'd sell in oil. They'd sell in rags. Right? Where are they now? They're gone. You can't find a preacher on TV. Not even on TBN. They're running movies. I ain't mad at nobody. I'm just telling you the truth. Amen. Inspiration Network. They got good, wholesome movies, but there ain't no preaching going on. Amen. And you see, why? Because God said, I've had enough of this. And I told you, and I, you know, and I ain't saying, look at me. I'm only saying I heard something in the spirit. And I know when I hear the voice of God and God told me that the only ones that are going to survive this famine is those who have a fathering spirit. Those who have a fathering anointing, not for self-gain, not to, to manipulate and not to get money for themselves, but really have a genuine fathering anointing upon their lives that will come in because in the Father's house there's always more than enough. In the Father's house, even in the time of, of famine, there was th food in the Father's house, praise God. Amen. And I'm telling you today that God is purging and cleansing his church. The church isn't in trouble. The church isn't dead. The greatest days of the church are right here upon us today. And his kingdom will be established. His will will be accomplished. And the church is not going to go under. The church is alive and well. And God is going to fill it full of his power and his glory. Amen. Is a praying church is a pure church. A praying church will be a powerful church. A praying church will have power because they align themselves with God's plan. Therefore, they're not asking for God to bless what they are doing. But they have heard the voice of God, align themselves with the plan of God, praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth as it is in the heavens. And so whenever you do that, amen, you will walk in power. God will bless what he desires to happen in the earth. A praying church is never a weak uh, church hiding in the corner of culture, but it is a church that impacts its culture. Not a subculture, but a counterculture. Amen. We've never been meant for us to fit in the culture. Amen. But the, to form the culture. Not to fit in the culture, but to form the culture. And we have given in to the culture of the day until the church is, is misrepresented or misunderstood as just another social club. But the real church is a church that has power. A powerful church will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. A powerful church will cast out evil spirits and they'll have to go. Amen. A powerful church will speak help, help and restoration to those who are in bondage and held hostage for years. But at the name of Jesus, the power of the name will destroy every yoke, remove every burden and his anointing will change their life forever. Amen. See, we, we live in a time whenever we, we just are, are satisfied as we sung today. We just are maybe in the video. We, we're satisfied with mediocrity. We're satisfied with just getting to heaven. 
But my question is, why not bring heaven into the earth? Why not us impose upon this earth the kingdom of God? Amen. Whereby that we declare kingdom of God come and will of God be established in the earth as it is in heaven. Well, pastor, I didn't know God wanted that. He told his disciples, that's the way you're to pray. Pray that the kingdom of God will come into the earth and be established in the earth as it is in the heavens. Amen. And so we are not meant to fit into the culture, but we are to form the culture. Past weeks, uh, Phil Robertson got in trouble, right? Duck Dynasty, everybody knows quack, quack. All quacked up. It's amazing. People that don't even own a gun or know what a duck call is. Watch these crazy rednecks. Right? And it proves, I mean, women watch it. That wouldn't go hunting for nothing. I mean, if they're starving to death. But they watch this show. How is that? It proves that there is a desire for wholesome family values yet in America. But let me let me just stop here and pastor a moment because you see we have listened to the media. Amen. And I don't want to go way back, but I just want to throw this in here. You remember uh, uh, the man that that got put into prison for was it PTL Jim Baker and they gave him this crazy sentence of what 20 years or something and he didn't even make what CEOs made that at that level what they put him in prison for was misappropriating funds taking from this account and paying this account and that is wrong Okay, But what I want to say is the body of Christ jumped on the media bandwagon and crucified a man. Amen. Because the media told us he was a filthy, no good for nothing. And we've got, I want to warn us, and again, I understand I'm not preaching to the world, but I'm preaching to the tabernacle. We've got to be careful of what the media infiltrates into our minds and causes us to believe a thing when it's really not true. And so, with that being said, you know, we've we've got a president that has, has sent homosexuals over to represent us over there in Russia. As if that is a major population here in America. When the fact is it's less than 5%. But the media wants us to believe. That it's such a large voice. That it has become normal. In America. But statistics also tell us. That some over 70 some percent of Americans say they are Christians. 
but you don't hear that on the news. Want to downplay that so they can impose upon you what they want you to believe as truth. Now, you know, Phil got them all ruffled up, but fact of it is 10 years ago, if he had made those statements, nobody had said nothing. But today, it's become unpolitically correct. Can I tell you that today is quickly coming upon us whenever I will not be able to stand in this pulpit, preach the gospel, and continue to be politically correct. And so it's not my concern to be politically correct. It's my concern to be biblically and theologically correct. Amen. And, and so... So Phil Robinson, you know, he's got that thing going on, but that, that isn't what bothers, uh, you know, that, you know, it does, but it don't bother me like when it hits home because, you know, my daughter, Destiny, she's in the fifth grade and uh, all of us, you know, go through that uh, sex education class, you know, and all that mess. Well, some of you might not have, but most people from my generation on up, they have this sex education video or whatever and, and all of this stuff and uh, but I, I, I watched that I don't know ninth grade they send a letter home and Renee tells me they want us to sign this thing and, and so they can show her this sex education video in fifth grade and I'm saying why does she need a sex education class in fifth grade. Then we study it a little further, and what it boils down to, they want in this video, they want to include homosexuality lifestyle as it is a normal thing, and we need to accept it. So then my spirit picks up on it that the reason why that they want to put it in my little girl's mind at an early age, that homosexuality is okay, that it's normal. But the reality is, my brothers and sisters, it is a sin. don't take a rocket scientist to figure out God said be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and to do so you cannot do it in homosexuality amen I'm not a hater you know if you talk like this Pastor Jamie you're homophobic you're afraid of them no I'm not afraid of them love them. Amen. And if they'll let me, I'll love the hell right out of them. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be tormented. I've laid my hands upon them and bound the spirits that tormented them and seen them set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so it isn't a hate. But the media wants you to push you off of it so that you're afraid to talk about it. So that if, if it ever comes up, you'll shut up. 
so that you're not afraid. But, you know, I made up my own word. And that's church phobic. Christian phobia. Because the real reality is the world is afraid of the Christians. Because it is the only thing that is standing between them and their agenda being accomplished. And that is to have an antichrist spirit in the world and in America in which there is no God. Amen. And, and so what I'm saying is this. I'm telling you today that we have to be a church that is not afraid to stand up and be powerful. A church that is, because everybody don't want to be a part of this type of church. Amen. Everyone's not going to want to, to speak well of you whenever you will stand up for righteousness. But a world in crisis needs a powerful church to rise up and establish the kingdom of God in the earth. Amen. We must declare the word of the Lord with power and with authority. Amen. A praying church will be a spiritual church. Spirituality is not measured by how loud you shout and how fast you run. I'm not against that. But it's amazing how people would try to label people as spiritual because of their actions. Amen. But I've seen some people act real spiritual on Sunday and act like the devil on Monday. Amen. I've had people say, you know, wow, you was anointed tonight. You was anointed today. You was sweating. And I thought to myself, I do this when I dig holes too. Sweating is a sign of the anointing? No. But it's amazing how we have labeled spirituality that... I'm not against shouting. I think we are. My, my opinion is the church is way too silent about serving such an awesome God. Amen. I'm not about shout, afraid of shouting. I'm not afraid because there is a secondary consequence of you coming into the presence of God and becoming aware of his presence. You will become overwhelmed by an awesome God and, and you will have manifestations that will happen in your life. Amen. Because humanity can't stand in front of such an awesome God. But this is what I'm saying, that the spirituality is not about the manifestations. It's about us being, uh, being spiritual, is being like the sons of Issachar, who know what time it is and know what they ought to do. I know what time it is. A lot of people know what time it is, but do we know what to do? We are not to be thermometers of spiritual climate. We are to be thermostats that change the spiritual climate. Where that we will come in and if the atmosphere is bound, we create an atmosphere of freedom and liberty. Amen. Where that whenever everything is shut down in the spirit realm, it seems that the heavens are brass. We create an atmosphere. We change the atmosphere. There's been a few people that I have experienced in my life that are able to change the atmosphere. The 
there was one who was a musician. And whenever he began to play, the atmosphere changed. One was a preacher that I remember that being so tight and, and even almost confusing in the service. And when he stepped onto the platform, the atmosphere shifted. We have to be a spiritual church. We have to have more than just thermostats that are thermometers that say, oh, it's dead, it's cold, it's dry. But we have to be thermostats that are able to change the climate, change the atmosphere, to change what's going on in our life and in our world. The world in crisis operates in death and in hopelessness. But the church, we are about life. We're about hope. We're about a future. Amen. And whenever we understand that the church is not about death, the church is about life. And a lot of religious people want to make it about death. What are you going to do if you die tonight? Amen. But the reality is I got a better question than that, Pastor Jimmy. What are you going to do if you live another 60 years? Because all, if you die tonight, all that you need to do is make sure that your eternal soul is right with God. But if you live another 60 years, you're going to need some power. You're going to need some wisdom. You're going to need the spiritual direction of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. If you're going to live, you've got to live out loud and live for Him. So Christianity is about salvation. And salvation is not about death. It's about living. Even to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We live forever. Amen. And so it's exciting. Now, all the other religions of the world are about death. Right? We know that very well here because, you know, they strap bombs to themselves and blow us up. And that's, you know, a good thing for them. It's all about death. But ours is about life. Acts 2 and 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the uh, goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Can anybody tell me where that ever changed? It's the plan of God for this last day church. We're to worship together in temples like we are. We're to go from house to house, life groups. Doing life together. Having fellowship one with another. And then... As our actions are carried out day by day, other people should be getting saved and coming into the kingdom of God. Amen. Our mindset is we got to get everybody to the church to get saved. And it's great for them to come to church and hear the gospel and be saved. But our lives ought to be impacting somebody in such a way they want to get saved. A praying church will be a healing church. Healing of the spirit, the soul, and the body. 
healing of the mental, the physical, and the spiritual. The Bible said whenever he cleansed his church, when he got his church in order, when he, uh, he, they began to pray, then the Bible says in verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him and he healed them. Amen. A world in crisis is looking for a healing church where the broken humanity can come and not be judged, not be criticized, but be told truth in love and with compassion in such a way that they can make a turn in their lives and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Their lives will be changed, amen, and they can bring healing into their lives. How many know you don't have to be uh, uh, lost to be broken? You don't have to be lost to be hurting. You don't have to be lost to be sick. But you can have to deal with these things if you're a Christian or not a Christian. If you believe or don't believe, it doesn't exempt you. But we must be a place where there is healing coming to those who are broken. Where that one that is family has is, is been broken can come and find healing. Where the ones that are, are downcast and downtrodden and don't know which way to turn can come and find healing. The tabernacle must be a safe place for people to fall apart. A place where people know that you can come in a mess and hopelessness. And not find judgmental people, but find loving, caring, compassionate people with the love of Christ. So that when you might come in a mess and hopeless, but when you leave, you leave healed and hopeful. Not because of what we are able to do, but because of what Jesus has already done. The finished work of Calvary. Amen. The finished work of Calvary. That declares that even though that you may be hurting today, even though you may be broken today, there is a healing Savior. There is still a balm of Gilead that brings healing to the hurts and the brokenness of humanity. And if we'll lean in on Him today, we, we will experience His healing in our physical, in our mental, in our spiritual, in every aspect of our life. He wants us to be whole. Amen. He wants us to be whole. But I want you to understand that we have to be what God wants us to be to operate in this. Healing doesn't come through a half-baked church. Breakthrough doesn't come through people that are just playing church. But a world in crisis needs a real church where hurting humanity can come and not find a parade of flesh, but find the power of God that is demonstrated through signs, wonders, and miracles. That is demonstrated in the heart of the believer through, the, through understanding there is hope out of any situation. But to the one that is lost, that there has already been a lamb that was slain and you don't have to die. Amen. But he has already been slain so you can live. 
Amen. And so when we come to this understanding, we share the gospel of the kingdom. We become a church in a crisis where the broken and hurting people can come. But it's going to take a purging. It's going to take power. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take his presence. And when we receive that, then the hurting humanity will come and experience a healing Jesus. Amen. I said uh, many times, and I'll say it again, that the world is not, uh, it isn't because they haven't heard about Jesus. It's because they're, that they're not serving him. It's because they haven't seen Jesus. Because we have preached and we've got good at preaching and good at teaching and good at talking about him. But where is he? Where is he? We're to be his hands extended. We're to be his voice that is heard. We are to be his ears. As I preached last Sunday, that will listen to hurting broken people and not criticize and condemn them for where they are in life, but give them a hope of coming out of it so they don't spend the rest of their life there. When Jesus declared and reestablished the intent of God's house, ministry took place. The blind started seeing. The lame started walking. Amen. The temple was no longer a place for the money changers to hang out for, for self-gain. But it was now a place where the turtle doves were set free. And it was a, a resemble of the example of the Holy Spirit had freedom and liberty in his house again. And so, in this coming year, I'm believing God is going to help us. In these next 21 days, I'm believing God is going to speak to us. And our prayer ought to be, God purge what needs to be purged. Cut what needs to be cut. Clean what needs to be cleaned. So that I can be a part of the church. A, a praying church. A power church. Do what you need to do. In me. So you can do through me. What you desire to do. Amen. you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, the first step in experience and hope in your life is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Not just with your lips, that's part of it, but believe it in your heart and say, my life is going to be changed forever. I'm going to accept Him not only as my Savior, but as my Lord. I give it all to you. I give it all to you. Can I tell you today that this region needs us? And that's not an arrogant statement. That's reality. This world that is in crisis needs us in this region. 
And it's not to say that other churches aren't doing anything. It's only to say that God put us here upon this hill for a purpose and for a reason. And it isn't just to maintain and it isn't just to have social connections. That's all well and good. But he put us here so that a world in crisis could find a church where God can work in their lives and turn the situation around. I'm grateful that he's given me the privilege to be a part of it. I'm grateful today that he's privileged me to be a part of the body of Christ. Some people talk about all the things they had to give up. I haven't given up anything, but I've gained everything. I'm thankful today. You stand with me this morning, please. today that you will make us the church that you desire us to be. Understanding this building is not the church, but we are the temples of God. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Make us what you desire us to be today. That God, our lives can be changed for your glory and for your honor. heads are bowed for a moment. Is there anyone here today say, Pastor Brian, I haven't accepted Christ as my Savior, but I'd like to do that today. I'd like to know Him as my Savior and my Lord. That's you. Just raise up your hand. I want to pray with you for you in just a moment. Is there anyone today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your presence pray that you will continue to speak to us not only this day but throughout this month of January that God you will clear our heads you will clear our thoughts God you'll speak clearly to us define our destiny cause our purpose to become more pointed individually as well as corporately God we give you praise for it today All to Jesus.